game on. Kia ora everybody, what's up? It is Robert. Welcome to Robert Live. Mate, we've just got heavy hitter after heavy hitter after heavy hitter rolling through the stream. It's the bro, uh, Andrew Slater. How are you, my friend? Very good, thanks. Kia ora, welcome. Uh, Chief Executive Officer, Home Care Medical. You're a brain. You know a lot about a lot of stuff. Uh, for those who are unaware of who you are and what you do, give us a quick little 101 context. Yeah, so um, kia ora everyone. My name's um, Andrew Slater. I'm the Chief Executive Officer of an organisation called Home Care Medical, but fundamentally our job is to um, run and deliver on behalf of the New Zealand government, uh, the National Telehealth Service, which includes running services like Healthline, 1737, etc. And, and I think it's the coolest job in the world and it's an enormous privilege. So basically, you're the you're the you're the glue on on comms and connection and education for a whole bunch of people that that need to know a whole bunch of stuff, right? Yeah. So our job is to um you know virtually support people in New Zealand when they need health or social care, and then connect them with that. That's our ambition. We don't like stuffy visions and missions. So um that's our that's our ambition. That's what we turn up to work every day to do. Normally, we're an organization of 450 people, but in the last sort of four weeks, we've grown to be just over 1,100 people. Jeez. So you're an essential service, which is why you're at the office? Or is this your house that literally is like a boardroom? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is definitely not my house. This is this is my office. So um, internally, um, we've got a goal to try and get as many people work from home um, with our IT team at the moment. And um, my brief to IT is I ain't leaving my office until everyone else has got home. So Oh, there um, you go. Oh, <laughs> so leadership 101 there. Uh, you got some Elon Musk shit. You also, uh, so where are you, are you, you're not sleeping in the office, though. You're not that good. No, no. Okay, cool. No, not quite. Not quite. But um, but certainly we've, got, um, we, we've built five call centers actually in the last few weeks so we could physically distance everyone, um, which has been one of our challenge, many challenges in the last few weeks. So are you saying you what eleven hundred staff now that's all going going virtual in the last twelve four weeks? Is that right? Um so we've got uh, so normally as an organization, about half our organization works from home, Kaitaya to Bluff anyway. Um and what we're doing at the moment is we've gone from four fifty to eleven hundred. And um, of that, at the moment, we've got about seventy percent of that um working from the comfort of their own homes. Yeah, nice. So communication, online virtual technology integration to help with comms and community. What's been the coolest thing you've seen with tech come to the forefront to help make Kiwi's lives better in this last month? What's been a bit that you're like, shit, yeah, this wouldn't have popped 10, 10 years ago? I look for me would have been the fact that our, um, our IT team and partnership with our, our IT partners, um, have managed to pull off a five-month technology project in seven working days. So um, that was, um, yeah, it was um, pretty phenomenal. And what that what we needed to do because of the scale of the response required for New Zealand was scale our technology, build whole new systems, processes, virtual desktops, and get those out. And the problem that IT now has is that I now want to know why everything can't be that quick. Okay, so we'll jump there because I, I think this is a great segue. So I was talking to uh, Victoria Crone, CEO of Callahan Innovation. She said, you know, it's surprising what can actually happen at speed when the people actually want it to. And I think we've been, I've been thinking, mulling over the last couple of weeks where, you know, now this has become a vehicle for change of 
uh, like forced innovation with integrated technology into businesses with comms or whatever. But now there's going to be this exactly to your point there, Andrew, which I think is money is it's like, well, why can't we dot, dot, dot? You know, if we did this r ridiculously huge, you know, virtualization of an entire ecosystem with logistics and the shit show, why can't we dot, dot, dot? You know, do you think this is now, do you think it's more pressures on CEOs or boards to be braver around adaption of new ways of thinking around how business can be done better? Yeah, I think, look, I think the funniest cartoon that I've seen over this whole event was the who led the digital transformation of your company, the CEO, <laughs> the, the CTO or the COVID-19. So, um, so, totally. Um, but look, I, I actually think it's all down to partnership. So at the end of the day, we would never have been able to pull off what we've pulled off here in the last few weeks um, if it hadn't been for our relationships and partnerships um, across the New Zealand tech and commercial and NGO health sectors um, because it's been able to work from a basis of trust. And one of my observations is I think um, procurement, as we've known it just before COVID, we talk about BCAC here, before COVID, after COVID. Oh, yeah, well, um, PCAC, yep, uh, pre, pre and after, nice, good, good yep. job, yep. And, and so one of the things that um, we'd always kind of worked on was rather than um, – sort of have a blunt procurement supplier relationship with many of our suppliers and partners. We'd always had kind of joint values, vision, mission about how we'd come together to get a one plus one equals four. And it's that that's enabled us to go quickly and fast and do things because they've become relationships of trust pre-COVID. Whereas I think some of the traditional kind of procurement processes we've been using in business in New Zealand may have prevented Certainly, if, if we had approached this in a very traditional procurement sense or in a in a traditional business relationship sense, we wouldn't have been able to pull off what we've been able to do. Do you feel that it's because there's a clear aligned purpose with no bullshit in the middle where you know exactly what you're there to do so there's no other... It's flat. There's no other games being played. There's no other like forces at stake with 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 politics or strategies or just any of the other stuff do you think it's just in a weird sense if we're as horrible as it is from medical side quite it's become quite pure on not only politics but commerce because it's actually about the people not about the rest of it look i i think at the end of the day every person that i've come across or that i know of in new zealand has a single goal at the moment which is aotearoa becomes COVID 19 free and so to have that level of, line, of alignment across sectors, business, everyone on a single purpose for NZ um, is, is really powerful. It and is, eh? It's, um, it's actually really cool. For as shit as it is for the why, the byproduct and outcome for so many different businesses and the, the net net at the end, as long as hopefully people are safe, it's going to be good good for us. But yeah, similar to, so I've had this thing for a question for ages that I've been and I've asked everyone that has a massive brain which is a lot more than me and I said okay the Treaty of Waitangi brought together culture and community what has been the moment since where culture community and commerce have been in the same thing for a moment for New Zealand that's connected all three and there hasn't been one the only one that arguably people talk about is potentially the All Blacks where the nation comes together the unity of purpose for a moment I was like yeah but with that, we still lead with culture, and it's blah blah. blah. It's not, it's not pure for people in commerce, right? And I was talking oh, with with Jolie actually. We were talking about it, um, and we was like, wait a second, this is that moment because Corona has actually connected 
all of commerce, all of community, all of culture, everything on the exact same thing. So it's a, it is it's become a unity of purpose for New Zealand. And what has become very clear is the the momentum and unity of positivity within Kiwis with each other compared to a lot of different other countries. It's making everyone feel quite proud to be a Kiwi, quite proud to be see you know the leadership that we have, the way that the, the government's acted with certain things and just the way communities are coming together. So I think that must make you feel more hopeful, bad for the, the the genesis of why, but still positive for what could be, right? Yeah, and, and I think what's really exciting is what are we going to take from COVID to our new normal? That is fantastic. Um, look, there's lots of there's lots of crap stuff that's gone on with COVID. Um, there's lots of pain. There's um, lots of things that I wouldn't want in my daily life, um, whether it's lining up at the supermarket or whether it's... Um, you know, having to feel restricted in my home in the weekend when I really want to go see my mates. But um, there's actually some fantastic things that have changed. Um, if you look at what's happened in the health sector, we've almost fast-forwarded digital transformation decades in, in a number of weeks. And so how do we actually take the great as, as leaders and cement and lock that in uh, for the, for the post-COVID um, world? And, and take advantage of that. How do we build a better Aotearoa at the end of this, um, given we've got that platform of, of common kind of alignment? It's like a new set of train tracks, right? And and it's we've got this new frame of you know virtualization, digitalization, remote, everything, yes, for the pros and cons or whatever. So if in your head now, we've got this great foundation and framework of, of digital New Zealand in some way has been forced to digitally transform over the over the space of a couple of hours what would you like to see being built first on those train tracks oh uh, I I think I think closer communities so I think we need to we've got this huge kind of coming together of of those three those three parts but we need to continue to leverage that technology because a lot of the technology has been used to help enforce isolation. So how do we actually take that, that those those train tracks and actually use them to build unity, um, collective um, collective responsibility, collective communities and things, as opposed to how they why they've been created largely, which is to keep us all um, working um, and in our homes and. Um, you know, I'm FaceTiming my mother for the first time in her life because I, I don't know why. Like, she lives in the wire wrapper. I live in Auckland. We've had our weekly phone call. But all of a sudden, we're FaceTiming. And we're actually really enjoying it after I got through the pain of teaching her how to use FaceTime for now. Um, the green button. So I really the green want to... <laughs> yeah. Answer it like a phone call. Um, and so um, I just think... Um, I, I just think we need to make sure we need to do a little pivot on on why we've created these rails and and make sure we use them for the good things that are coming out of it. Yeah. So on that, the good things that come out of it, a lot of sectors are stuffed right now. Some of them will pop harder on their return. Obviously, we don't know the timings of some of it. Where do you think? What's your biggest fear? For what part of New Zealand are you most fearful about? Look, at, at the moment, um, we're really concerned about those New Zealanders that are in their home that aren't reaching out for health and social care that they that they so desperately need, whether that's food, accommodation, um, you know, having having a health care need. So my greatest fear is that 
we we drift further apart as communities rather than hmm. um, rather than connecting and caring. And um, so that that's sort of my my fear as I drive in every day. I think some of the greatest opportunities is some of the innovation um, that we've been able to achieve. So, for example, we've got 200 travel agent staff that we have trained to give um, non-clinical health information to New Zealanders. Those guys are taking a couple of thousand calls a day. If you'd said to me four months ago, I would have taken three weeks of classroom education, condensed it into two days, done micro-skilling of my workforce and trained travel agents to help New Zealanders. And they would be doing an excellent job of that. It was safe. And the customers and the New Zealanders calling were really satisfied. I wouldn't have believed you. So, so just quickly on that, are you saying you took, oh, because the travel crew are stuffed, so yep. you retrained them into yours from a different vertical. Was it your idea? Um, oh, look, it was, it was a team effort, but you woke up in the night and you wrote some shit down. We <laughs> <laughs> were trying to work out how to get big chunks of workforce really quickly. And, and look, it's, it's That's very, smart. Public, it's very publicly known some of the, some of the wait time where we'd let New Zealand down a little bit. And so, um, aside from that, you know, we're doing, we used to do about 700 calls a day in Healthline. Some days we've done 15, 16,000. And so we needed to think completely differently about how did we train that workforce? How do we micro-credential it? How do we skill it? And how do we quickly get it on the phone safely to, to help New Zealanders? Um, and so I think we just have to think differently um, about these about this, these workforces and the capacity that, that and capability. Like these, these guys are absolutely fantastic at building rapport yep. and providing information. Um, so how do we take those workforces that might be economically impacted by COVID and look at their capability and redeploy them to, to totally. the future? That, that's the cool thing. Just going to say the, the red, redeployment of it. I've got a, a friend in the tourism sector who's working on something very, very exactly in this exact realm of like, you know, how do you create and build that database of those who have specific skill sets and then redeploying them throughout um, different parts of New Zealand that need it. So I wanted to, to duck in on. So I'd seen this thing is waves, right? The first wave of medical, like let's make sure we get through, beat this thing down, make sure health is good, number one. Two, there's obviously this part about commerce, you know, the government kicking in for the subsidies and now that with the em employers and taking up to 80% with the banks and all these, there's all these other mechanics around. So it's kind of like health, wave one, finance, wave two, but this third piece, and this is where um, I'll tell you the, the quick thing is I did a, a little post on LinkedIn and it was, it was like March 24th or something. I said, oh, um, classic in nine, nine months time, we're going to have a shit ton of um, Christmas Day babies. Ha, ha, ha. You know, nine months, whatever. And then everyone, all these partners and shit, like like forced, forced them with each other. And then someone goes, yeah, and divorces and domestic violence. And I never, I had, my brain was not there. And then all of a sudden I thought, I was like, oh, shit, wait a second. Let me put myself in their shoes. Okay, you know, so I'm, 40 year old someone just lost my job stress in a bad relationship i come back home now i've got no live sport and i'm on the booze or drugs or whatever it is and i'm in a there are going to be many people who are in scared environments right now and even like for talking to with lisa king from eat my lunch a lot of children go to school for safety right and then all of a sudden i'm thinking shit imagine if i was then 11 in in these worlds and all of a sudden this with this big weight of community came on me when i was thinking about okay well 
who's talking, and I even put a thing up, you know, I think it'd be awesome if, you know, why, why don't, um, you know, a whole bunch of these unused hotels partner up with Women's Refuge, trying to do something there. Why don't, there's going to be this, these waves. So in your, in your head, what are the waves in community which you think aren't being talked about right now that should be being talked about? Because as a byproduct, I'd thought of these other things, but that wasn't where my brain was because I guess I don't think in that world. But where where do you think some different things around the community should be thinking for a lot of our conversational energy to go? Yeah, look, I think, I mean, I think you've touched on some of them, which is, is um, you know, not all, sadly, not all homes in New Zealand are, are safe places to be. And often um, people being allowed to um, move out of them and around in their community is the respite they get from those. And um, certainly what we're, we're starting some conversations, we, we run um, a couple of services in this area. So we run a, a Safe to Talk, the National Sexual Violence Helpline. As well as um, as well as a, a service uh, around domestic violence as well, and what we're we're talking to um, uh, uh, other organisations in the NGO sector around how can we use technology that's being put in effectively to um, help people self isolate, to um, actually um, help support people. You would have seen today the the numerous announcements around some of the mental health um, e therapies that are going to become funded. I think there's a wave slightly um, between that kind of economic um, and the health bit, which is really the the psychosocial bit. So how do we? What, what does um, that mean? So so me- mental health effectively, yep. but but how do we um, how do we prepare ourselves for this new normal? How do we build resilience um, in our psyche as a country um, for what this new normal might look like? Um, you know, I, I've got multiple friends. Um, who are who are um, in in not in COVID growth? They're in the travel agent um, industry. They're pilots. Um, my own my own household. My other half. Um, he's in the entertainment business, and so um, the, the the entertainment, the cinema, and um, movie business is, is not oh, yeah. um, an, a growth industry. So I think, but I do think it is about how do we actually build a psyche about where we go as a country post-COVID and and build that new normal. Yeah, that, that, um, um, one of the, one, I mean, one of the really interesting, oh, sorry. No, no, dude, you go for, I was just thinking, cause you're really smart. I'm just trying to de- decode it all. It's good. Um, I mean, look, one of the things that I think, you know, New Zealand's always had the, the kind of pure green feel. One of the interesting byproducts, I obviously get to, travel into into work every day from from my community and only hang her into the cbd and we're on the fringe of the domain and it's been really interesting watching nature come alive in the domain whether it's more birds yep. um, i've seen more possums running across which is probably it's, not positive it's nature. louder but it's louder um, it's speaking it is louder um and you know i can hear birds in my office i don't, don't normally because there's normally lots of traffic and things driving past it so I, I do think um, there are some great things that we had in this country before we headed into COVID. Um, you know, our 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 nature, our tourism sector, um, and I think the whole emerging um, kind of uh, appreciation for um, for our Māori heritage. And I, I'm really hoping that as we build our new normal, um, we can leverage those great strengths that we 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 had pre-COVID and actually power them up. Um, for our post-COVID world. Yeah, the 
the reimagining phase right now it's it, it hits every every point because there's a lot of uncomfortable truths around society and community we need to address there's a lot of you know weaknesses that have been in businesses which have been exposed and there's a lot of you know growth and hard conversations that a lot of people even just a lot of people who are at home right now thinking about are they actually doing what they want to be doing they spent the last couple i've got a friend of mine who's um you know he's a pretty busy dude and whatever and he's just so pumped being at home loving spending time with his kids just like hyped and he hadn't felt that in ages and you were kind of wondering man has he prioritized the right thing and he's thinking about these things now so in a weird way it's a it's a great force reset to you know, almost like redesign that future but then kind of reimagine what it could be and, and go into it it's kind of cool mm. I yeah i think i think so like i mean obviously um obviously we're we're losing a lot and we've lost a lot and so i think um if we can think about the good that's come from it think about the good that we had prior and and bring all of that together into whatever our new normal as individuals businesses community looks like that's that's a hugely exciting opportunity what have you learnt that surprised you about humanity through this last month oh you know what's, um, what's been something you like that you wouldn't have picked um that i that that i i think when when it all comes down to it we actually care a lot about our neighbors yeah you know like so yeah, you yeah. So, so lots of people don't talk to their neighbours, got no idea who their neighbours are, but all of a sudden we hear on the front line um, people phoning in, concerned about their neighbours, wanting to help their neighbours. I look at my own community and I look at um, the neighbours that I've reached over the fence to to check they're okay. Um, and and I think that that's, that probably surprised me because I think we'd all got so busy that largely we'd forgotten about our next-door neighbours. Busy, busy being busy. Yeah. So, yeah. so when you look at the new normal of AC after Corona, right? What are you hopeful for? Um, I'm hopeful that we um, we care as much about our neighbours as we have here, and what happens in our communities that perhaps we um, haven't. Perhaps some people have been a bit more ignorant towards. Um, I'm hoping that we. Um, continue to accelerate our digital transformation uh, whether that's in schooling whether it's in in communities and we and we do that for good not because we're trying to reinforce self-isolation and so we see a flip on that and um and i'm really hopeful that um certainly in our environment i'm hoping that the partnerships that we've relied on to get a one plus one equals 20 impact um, we actually continue to to work together and and achieve mm. those goals. So, w with all these different partnerships, it takes, I guess, good good leadership, right? How have you mentally reset your headspace, I guess, strategically or with with different you know workflows or whatever your methodologies are, whatever, around having to lead this big business now? You know, talking about you know yeah. from four hundred and fifty, I think you were saying to eleven hundred in the last shit month. How how have you? reprioritize your headspace for for being a new leader in this new like after corona ac world How yeah so it? yeah so for us um it's it's a bit interesting working in a health health sort of i guess frontline health emergency kind of basis because our job is to kind of um 
provide a bit of a dam to the system and try and work to use technology to get the people into the right place. Um, partly that's to avoid um, people entering, you know, facilities that may be um, positive to coronavirus and getting them into testing or getting them a community response. So for us, um, very, in the very early days, it was running a very traditional hierarchical incident management structure. Um, so we came out of our normal org chart into that. Um, one of the things about the organization is we were born in the cloud. So um, it, we, we founded uh, the organization as it is today in 2015 um, and, and pulled what we got together. So um, that's been a huge advantage um, because we've been able to um, switch some platforms in a couple of places around support functions and things. But also um, what we've been able to do is we've had a bit of agility in the workforce. So organizational structure-wise, we've moved into um, what we call um, clusters, which may be a touch of black humor on my part. But um, what we've done is kind of organized ourselves into... Um, into what we call our business clusters. Um, so we've got a COVID cluster, a um, business as usual cluster, which we've stepped up our, our people to um, to step into. Um, we've then got finance and risk, comms, um, and a few others. But what's been interesting about that is one of the best things that we had done in our organisation, and, and I always get a bit um, titchy with kind of theoretical um performance development, leadership development, kind of talent management. So we've always asked our leaders three questions every every six months, which is, if you get hit by a bus tomorrow, who can do your job? If we gave them development, who could do your job in a year's time? And um, who could do your job in three years' time if we really invested in them as leaders? And that, that, that those are our three talent capability development kind of questions. And so we've always kept those lists and we update them every six months. And then whenever we've done projects, we've looked for those people. Um, you're not allowed to choose the same three people. So you're not allowed to like put, you know, Mary in all three. Um, you've got to really think hard and then identify their needs. So what we've been able to do in growing the organization is we dusted off that talent list and we've been able to pull up and toy toy up some of our fantastic, younger, capable leaders who had potential, put them in some leadership development training for kind of a few hours, you know, micro-learning, whoops, you're now a manager. And, um, surprise. And, yeah, yeah, surprise. <laughs> um, really get them bringing their character to leadership and, and really get them, um, you know, bringing along, owning their, we call them tribes, you know, owning your tribe, um, focusing on our why, so making sure, you know, our why in that team at the moment is, you know, we hunt COVID, that, that, that's, that's our, our why is we want New Zealand to be COVID free, we're part of that team, and um, our, how we do that is we hunt it. And so being able to be really clear on purpose and, and but have at our fingertips the cape that knowing where our leadership was going to come from in those teams mm. has... Um, has been great. And some of those look like everything, you know, the vast majority of those people have really stepped up and there's been some that we've had to support a bit more or some who weren't quite ready. I, I really, really like that. Um, I love that because it, it, it like kind of nominates through, you know, selection of the potential, the, the, the coolest one in that is not the first or second, it's the third of like who could be that weapon 
And that's the best because it shows hope for that future of the, I call it, you know, the threes and fours will become the one and ones and twos. And certain people that I know are amazing at being able to pick the weapon super early, just like, yep, that person and four, four years is going to be that. And that that's super cool. And then if you're that young buck, you get a little tap on the shoulder and it's like, hey, we think that you'd be great in this thing. I mean, that's got to be such an awesome morale boost and just mental like energy shift for just changing the perceptions of who they think they can be for the future. I think that is flipping rad, dude. I love that. I absolutely love that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And look, it's a very selfish kind of approach because um, I'm, I'm kind of translating my own experience. I was very fortunate um, to, to become a chief exec um, before I, or just before I turned 30. And so um, it's um, been part of, Part of my mantra has always been, you know, I got those opportunities because people mentored me, gave me opportunities to learn. And so I've kind of been a bit arrogant about making sure I do the same thing for Hell yeah. my own organization. It's, dude, it's pay it forward. Don't feel bad at all. I think that the more you do that, the better because it just, you never know whether where these young bucks will be able to do. It. And a lot of them are just totally unaware that they could be that. Like that, they're really maybe blinded to the, the, their own potential greatness. That's something that I, I mess with super heavy, man. Like, yeah, that's that's flipping rad. Um, here we go. Uh, Amber says, do the one, twos, and threes know that they are being looked at for progression? Oh, good call. Do the ones, twos, and threes know that they've been looked at for progression? Um, absolutely. So we have a, um, a program where, where we then stream them into um, different leadership journeys over that, depending on what time frame. Um, and so, um, yeah. And, and typically what we then try and do is if a leader's on, and we're a largely operational business, so if a leader's away on annual leave, they um, they will act up their one or their two or their three to, to um, be able to explore that management and leadership role as well. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, you said something before, which I thought was interesting. You were saying you, were, you know, the business of 2015 was born in the cloud. Now, essentially every single, you, your business is, probably not been as freaked out as a lot of other businesses because you understand what Google Teams is, I mean, Microsoft Teams, Google Hangouts, you know what Slack is, you understand how the internet works and how to push the green button to do FaceTime with your mum. You get that shit. What I'm interested in is for all these businesses have been an offline slash analog business that haven't even, don't know what any of those words mean, what advice would you give those scared and fearful leaders or owners or small business owners or decision makers or CEOs or boards or whatever that this is this foreign new crazy world that you're scared of? What advice would you give them from someone that was born in the cloud trying to rope people into that new world instead of by force but now through through choice? Um, look, a couple of things. So um, first of all, before COVID came along, we were one of the highest users, apparently, of Microsoft Teams in, in Australasia. Um, and um, that was because we made it a really cool, fun place to hang out um, and get information from. Um, but this is going to sound really odd. One of the most important things to do is not forget the postal service. So um, our staff all work from home. And we still post them, the staff newsletter and magazine. What? Um, with, and, and actually for Easter, I threw a little block of chocolate in there. But um, I think um, it, it, actually people love the tactile. And, um, and, and so I think what you've got to be really careful about is that you use all of the channels. Um, so we do video blogs, written blogs, team blogs. We kind of 
um, alternated around a bit. We let our staff, um, you know, have social chat um, channels, classified chat um, in Teams and things. But um, don't lose sight of, of the connection that the physical has in, in a home environment. And so we're really careful. One of the things we've learned in having more than 250 staff work from home is that um, their physical connection to the organisation, you can get a little bit transactional. Hmm. So they, they come to work, sit at their computer and do the tasks, and they lose the social connection and the tactical connection to the workplaces. We've done a lot of work over the last few years looking at, you know, how we selected people and what kinds of homes, um, you know, what, what we wanted people to be their home office and how that should be set up. But then actually um, doing a lot of work on, you know, we post out our staff magazine um, and we post out bits of paper. Um, we post out mouse, mice pads and things like that, which is to try and do that. The other thing is, is you can lose um, your sense of choice. And so one of the things that we've been very focused on is just because people are at home, we need to let them have choices. So, um, you know, make sure that we some of the stuff we're not as good as I'd like us to be at the moment because of global supply chains. But, you know, I like the idea that people choose their headset, their mouse, their keyboard, um, because ultimately as humans, we like to be able to make some of our own choices um, and things. So certainly for us, you can get a bit clinical about the whole work from home thing and, and you kind of got to embrace it like it's an office. We, we talk about the fact normally, and before COVID, uh, we used to talk about the fact that we had um, 200 and something offices in New Zealand and 250 of them had one person working in them and the rest had more than one. Because what that did is it made sure when we were doing business process, we'd think about how we treated, how we would respond to those people's needs if they were in the office versus um, treating them like they were were sort of a poor cousin to the, the core. I think it's a really good way you've broken that down. So, because uh, I've been thinking about this idea and it started from success online of what they think it was. And I give the example of, you know, Snapchat came out one-to-one, -one, closed off DMs. Facebook came out open to all. And over time, it made its way into the middle. And then now with this, it's like full all digi this way. And then you see even this crazy big shift towards escapism, retreats, phone off, do not disturb. There's this balance off, right? And with the shift that we've gone to now, it's literally going from fully online in the in offline in the in the room, sit there, functional, transactional, physical location to now it's cloud and what does that mean and how do, where are those tangible points? So it's kind of, that's the first time I've actually heard it is you've got an online base, but you've got online connection points. And what I've been thinking about through this specifically is as connected as we are, as gluey as we are, as tribal as we are, as instinctual as we are for that, everyone is missing sitting down next to someone, look them in the eyes, have a high five and a beer and say, what's up? It's the yep. that authentic, genuine connection, which is way deeper. It's, it's like, DNA shit, which is quite cool because it makes you feel more um, more human, even though you're super tech. It's cool. Yeah, and and like even last year, um, one of the things that our people told us is they'd lost a lot of a connection to our annual plan and where we were going. And so, and part of that just that task focus. So one of the things we did last year was um, actually um, we 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 turned the business plan into a game of snakes and ladders. Dude, and your, um, your work sounds dope, man. Um, I'm technically unhireable, and I think I'd be horrible at jobs. But I just like all these cool little things. I want to get mail and chocolate and shit in the mail. It'd be great. So how did you do that? Well, so we took 
snakes and ladders board and we made it that the snakes were the uh, things that we should have done better for our team and the ladders were the things that went awesome and then you landed on a strategic goal and we talked about what would be different in your role but really critically we went and ran that with either myself or a member of the senior exec in 30 cafes throughout New Zealand and we had over 80% of our work from home staff came and had a coffee in a cafe to play snakes and ladders and connect. And so I think if, if you're throwing your workforce work from home, you've got to you've got to think about how you maintain that physical contact. Um, because actually that's where the hearts and minds and that's where the real why gets and the real two-way engagement. And so that, that that's one of my greatest learnings was um was thinking about how do we scale out face-to-face -face contact, quite tired of bluff, um, and encourage that. And so, yeah, you know, we do we do regional Christmas functions. We we really purposely aim to bring our people together. I, I was just thinking you're describing that, and that's very instinctual and cultural to the DNA of, of, of your business, right? And And I look at right now, every single person is using the same software tools, the same pieces right so what's the differential how do you how do you create culture digitally how do you scale that care remotely how do you you know bring a personality to work because even if people shift from business to business you're still using those same tools whether it be slack or whatever but how do you you know integrate how do you you know almost yeah send culture remotely that's cool yeah, and, and you've got to have purpose and be and be a bit different. And and look, people say to me, well, how, how does that result and how does it save money and things? What I can hand on heart say is that our program looking at how we connect with our at-home at workforce has fundamentally reduced turnover, sick leave, and improved staff engagement. So that's a cost, if, anyone, yeah. if anyone's sitting at home saying, oh, that's very expensive and that sounds, you know, that sounds too hard, um, that, that internal comms work program has fundamentally driven cost out of our business and enabled us to do more for New Zealanders in that in that new capacity. That snakes and ladders thing, did you come up with that or did you snake that from some Google smart shit? What was that? Uh, it was a couple of my team. I was We were kind of joking about how could we play a board game that everyone could play. Um, I, and so that's um, got the, the team brainstormed it up. Yeah, I'm happy to send it to anyone that drops me a line. Mate, like template that uh send it to me you should template it up put your flipping logo on it i think that's great so many business owners would definitely use it uh before we go i've got a question here from um adrian hi andrew what do you think the biggest barriers are to adopting digital workers to help support the expansion of digital healthcare in new zealand bam oh can you repeat the question for me I... hi andrew what do you think the biggest barriers are to adopting digital workers to help support the expansion of digital healthcare in New Zealand? Look, I think one of the challenges in, in healthcare, and, and I'm very clear, we're, a, um, we're an inside-out transformer, not an outside-in disruptor. So, you know, um, maintaining... So I think the public's um, desire and expectation for digital transformation in the health sector is ahead of the system's ability to develop processes and systems to do that um, in a clinically safe way. Um, certainly what, what we've seen through um, COVID-19 though, is we've seen much quicker adoption of, of digital technology in, in the system and, and we've um, probably adopted a lot of practice from, from overseas. 
So I actually think it's about the sector and the system working really closely with those digital transformers so we can understand um, each of our paradigms um, and find ways to work through how to do some of that digital transformation and virtualization safely. Um, I don't think you'd find anyone in the health sector that doesn't want to do things differently to meet better outcomes for people, but there are some there are some just pragmatic stuff that we need to be able to work through. Mega man. Um, I know you're super busy, man. You've got a whole bunch of shit. You've got 1,100 people right now that are just screaming for your attention and play snakes and ladders and shit. Uh, where can people go? What can they do if they want to connect with you or the work that you're doing or if they're in a funky spot and they, they potentially need help on that mental side or commercial, I mean, or, or, or community side or anything? Where are some of the, I guess, resources and outlets that they could engage with um, with your services at? Uh, look, um, probably just hit me up on LinkedIn and I can um, attempt to steer you to um, a place um, that, that will deal with your um, your specific need. Mello. Um Appreciate your time, bro. Good yarns. Good yarns. Good, good thinking. It's cool. It gets me. How old are you, bro? You're not even. You're not even that old. What's your deal? Oh, look. I am. Um, so my deal is that. Um, so I'm in my mid thirties, which we don't talk about. But um, uh, so I want to talk about. It. I reckon it's dope. It's like you're one of those those threes and fours that became the one and two. And you know, obviously, early CEO before thirty, you're obviously a weapon. You know what you're flipping doing. It's 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 rad because there's a switch happening and I've been talking about it for ages where there's going to be this squeeze and the squeeze is the 35 to 40 that's old enough that's done enough that that has got credible enough to sit in the room but still young enough that knows what's up and it's a squeeze yeah. I'm at the younger end of the squeeze I'm at 34 most of my other career at the 39 42 but you know but yeah. like that's so dope bro you must feel is your mum stoked <laughs> <laughs> my mom, so I grew up in the Wairarapa, son of a potato farmer, started my life in healthcare, um, did my first work uh, with the ambulance service at age 15. It is not cool to wear your St. John youth uniform to college. Bro, um, flex on him with the, these St. John um, things. <laughs> but, um, but look, the key thing for me was kind of seeing what failed health and social care looks like in New Zealand. And um, I made a commitment that I want to spend my life. I want Aotearoa to be the best country in the world to grow up in. Um, and so um, what I want to do is, is make sure that I'm in the place where I can lead that out um, for an organisation to have the biggest possible impact on, on achieving that and, and reducing those barriers to people accessing care. And so um, that, that's why I get out of bed every morning. Um, and okay. um, it's, it's awesome. I'm super proud of the team. Um, every day and and extra proud of um, of what we've been able to achieve so far for New Zealand. Um, we, you know, we're running 12, 15 times what we'd normally do eight weeks ago. Um, and um, and it's great to, to see um, and support the team in doing that. Bro, good on you, man. I'm flipping pumped. I love that. I love stories like that. It's flipping dope. Young bucks on the hustle, smash it. Well, your name comes highly recommended from someone who does not piss around at all. And so that which I think we both um, can appreciate. No, mega bro. Dude, thanks for your time, brother. Love your work. Thank Keep you. rocking. And um, super cool. And congrats on, on all the nuts and bolts and the great leadership with what you're doing with your, your business. It's, it's cool when other young bucks look up and see, you know, crew, crew your age doing the types of big shit. It's flipping great, man. Props to you, dog. Awesome. Hey, kia ora koutou, And thank you very much for the opportunity to chat. Of course, bro. Later, dude. Cheers. Peace. What a flipping good bastard. Andrew Slater, what a G. 
How good's that? So you let it slip it then. Dude's 34. I'm 34. Flipping weapon. Love that shit. What a boss. How cool is those little leadership things, eh? Snakes and ladders, trying to make some cool shit there. Doing the little intangible, small stuff for family to scale care remotely. I mess with that. Born in the cloud, new digital, you know, tools. I love that. I love the idea of swapping out uh, or bringing in skill sets from a tourism industry, which have the same skill sets that could add value into a space which needs it right now. That redeployment of awesome skill sets for New Zealand, that's so cool. I wouldn't have thought of that. But then again, that's why he's the CEO and I am talking shit and drinking whiskey on LinkedIn and Facebook and doing what I'm doing. Um, awesome. Mega work team. I love that chat. Young weapons. So dope. Makes me really hopeful for the future of New Zealand. Dude, flipping Andrew's going to go for like health minister or some shit in eight years. Mark my flipping words. He'll be 40 at, in, at, at, like, at politics doing something. You heard it here first. All right. Love your work, team. See you soon. Deuces.